Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. We got a great podcast for you today. We're going to be talking about lifestyle inflation and how to basically keep yourself in check so you don't fall into the trap of basically feeling like you have to live paycheck to paycheck even though your income increases. Increases? <laughs> <laughs> Hope you all had an awesome weekend. As you know, we've been doing a lot of home, not renovation projects, but home update projects, decorating, doing a little bit of painting, getting some new Ikea furniture. And we finally wrapped up most of it this weekend. Finally. Ugh. It was a week long. Ugh. I know. It was, I, it was messy. And you reminded <laughs> me, you're like, last Saturday we did, you know, did our big Ikea run where we bought like five pieces of furniture. I'm like, that was only a week ago. It that, feels like it's been a month. We painted. We painted, I think, almost every single floor except for the basement, uh, different rooms. We had the Ikea furniture. We had our regular jobs. It was a madhouse. <laughs> it was crazy. So I'm glad we're kind of on the tail end of that. For any of you doing any home updates, we're sending good vibes your way. Good vibes. Okay. <laughs> do well. Push <laughs> through. <laughs> you can do it. Just So we were thinking, you know, let's just get it done now because the longer the project is like prolongs, then it's just it's just always there. Your house the back is of your a mind. mess. You got you know paint cans everywhere. You can't put away your ladder. It is. It's just lingering. Absolutely. So we just ripped off the bandaid. It's very painful, but that's how you have to do it. All right, we got a little bit of news for you today. So we talked about last week. We had a really good episode about IRAs. So with the coronavirus package. Things are changing every day, right? There's lots of new regulation, lots of new concessions to people. Mm -hmm. And it turns out CNBC reported that the IRS expands eligibility to take up to $100,000 coronavirus-related withdrawal from an IRA or 401k. So let's put that into normal people terms. Into context. <laughs> yes. So what that's saying is, what the CNBC was reporting, is that... Normally, like we talked about with the IRAs last week, with your retirement accounts, you can't pull money out until a certain age or else you get a 10% penalty. So they waive that penalty where you can withdraw up to $100,000 um, if you had a coronavirus-related financial issue. So, for example, if you lost your job, you had your hours cut back, um, or you were furloughed or anything like that. But the big news on this is that they expanded who that applies to. So a couple notes of key points from CNBC. This article is written by Darla Mercado. It's a really good article. Um, she put that if your spouse has lost his or her job due to coronavirus or had a job offer rescinded due to the pandemic, you can take up to $100,000 from your own retirement account. So what that's saying is normally I'd have to lose my job to withdraw from my account. So if my spouse lost their job, I can still withdraw from my account because what the issue was is a lot of people, their spouse would lose their job and they had like no retirement savings, but the other spouse who still had their job had a lot of retirement savings. So it expands it to where the kind of IRS is sort of looking at couples as one unit now where you can withdraw from either of your accounts if you lost your job and you will not have the 10% early penalty. And something about that, remember, the 10% penalty is waived, but you'll have to pay income taxes on that money unless you repay that money into the account within the time periods 
that are required. Depending on your current situation, you can look into more of the details, but just know that if you really do need that funds, those funds, then it's an option now. And it expanded to if your spouse lost their job, you also can withdraw money. All right, so just kind of keep that in mind when it comes to the news for you section. Uh, not saying you should do that, not saying that you shouldn't do that. Talk with a tax consultant, see what's best for your particular situation, but just know that is the uh, those are some of the options available. So let's now talk about what did we watch this weekend? Well, again, we're watching a whole bunch of old shows, but we had a we had a new one, a new season come out that's pretty cool. But we last week watched Twister and Kimberly. You've seen it before. I'd seen it before. That movie's hilarious. Yeah. It's, so you've seen it before, but it's... Uh, it's, it's so cheesy. It's a classic. You have to see it. It's fun. And it's uh, oh, it's it's very quotable just because it's pretty cheesy. <laughs> but it's still a whole lot of fun. So we watched that. It's uh, If you like tornadoes, like that movie I watched a ton as a kid. So I just... It was kind of all fun. I remem- all I remember is the line... That you showed me when you first showed me that movie is, is it Bill Paxton, right? Yeah, Bill Paxton. He goes, they're talking about the twister and he's like, it's already here. It's already <laughs> here. Just over dramatic. <laughs> is it 90s? Uh, right? Total 90s. Total yes. 90s. But it's still a fun movie. It's watch it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. But then another fun show that is indeed new, uh, if you've been watching this, and we've seen previous episodes in the past and uh, seasons, but the latest season of Queer Eye has actually just launched. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's just like all the other ones, still just feel good and and happy show as usual. I love it. What we love about Queer Eye is it's just feel good. You know, it's this world right now is so crazy. There's a lot of... uh, you know, mass hysteria going on. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff. And it's sometimes it's just nice to watch a good, happy, family-friendly film, or not even film, but television show, reality show about these guys helping other people get their lives on track and making them build their confidence. It's just really, really good. So if anyone wants to watch just a fun, feel-good television series, uh, I think it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's a Netflix original, I think. I watched a really cute episode from this season where there was a girl who was a doctor and also a mom. So she's trying to find like work-life balance there and they helped her a lot. And it was the first time she really taken care of herself because she's just been pushing through medical school. So really feel good show. Check it out on Netflix. A whole lot of fun. So now, uh, so keep those in mind because if you just want to watch something, they're fun. Now let's talk about last week's items. So last week's items, and then we're going to start getting into... Uh, what we are going to be talking about today and also Wednesday. So when it comes to last week, we talked about quite a bit of stuff. We talked about gaining capital and how capital you want to build your capital stance. You want to focus on your IRAs. We talked about debt. We talked about credit scores. Uh, We have a few recommendations for newbies, a recommendation of getting secured credit cards. Like if you're new to credit cards, how how do you build your credit score? Well, you get a secured credit card and there's, uh, or you can do different co-applicants and that sort of stuff. Go listen to previous episodes to see what some of those recommendations are. And of course, reach out to financial consultants to see your particular uh, situation and scenario and what is best for you. And of course, the other thing too, pay off your credit cards. (laughs) Make sure you pay off those credit cards weekly. Don't let them go long because you do not want to be paying those high interest rates. So that's a little bit what we talked about last week. Uh, so feel free to listen to those episodes if you want to read uh, re 
uh, retouch on what we discussed. But now this week, we want to talk a little bit about lifestyle inflation. So there's something that I learned when I think I was a teenager that kind of changed my life or at least changed my perspective a lot about how I spend my time. And that's the idea of Parkinson's law. It's an unfortunate feature of human nature. And Parkinson's law says that work expands to fill time. I think it was from the 1950s when somebody wrote, you know, a guy with the last name Parkinson wrote about Maybe. this law. It's I'm not usually, so sure. Yeah. It's usually how it goes. But it's really interesting if you think about that. Work expands to fill time. So what does that mean? So, for example, if I have two hours to clean my room, the law says I will take those two hours. However, if I only have 30 minutes to clean my room, the law says I'll do it in 30 minutes. Now, I can see this in my life, and I think I love this law. It makes so much sense to me because I, I see this all the time. Um, even, you know, with silly examples, like on a Saturday. You know, normally, I wake up in the morning on a weekday and I have my routine. I can get a lot done, and then I'm at work by like 9 a.m., and you can cram in a lot just in a short period of time. But then I think about the weekends. Maybe I'll do kind of the same morning routine, but I'll take twice as long because I don't have that restriction of I need to be on work by 9 a.m., which is not always a bad thing, right? But that eats into my personal time on Saturday that I have other things I want to do, like working on this podcast or things like that. And I also saw a really good example of this um, at my job. So in accounting, we have something we do every month called the closed process. That means preparing our numbers for the month so we could see our financial results for the previous month. Um, so for example, in July, I'll prepare the June numbers. We finish them as soon as the month ends. So our company was acquired, um, the company I worked for a couple of years ago, and we had to prepare a full year-end accounting close in about a week with basically no notice. And we also had to help review the con the contracts for the sale of the business, write representations for those contracts, and as well as provide and compile a massive list of documentation um, all at once. And this was also the same week that we were moving, uh, which is great. It was a very hard time in my life. I won't go back to it, but the idea was, and at that point, right now I have two other full-time employees on my team. At that point, it was just me with part-time employees. So a lot less resources, way more work to do, way tighter deadlines than I'd ever had at that job. And I never thought I could do something like that. I remember my boss came, you know, took me to his office like, hey, we've got to do all of this in by Wednesday or whatever. I thought it was crazy. And I thought there's no way that I could do it in that amount of time. I never thought I could do it until I had to do it in that amount of time. And somehow it got done. I have an awesome and really, really supportive boss. And he and I worked together. We pounded through and, and we got it done. So it's the idea that when you have pressure of time, you think there's no way I could ever do this in this amount of time until you have to. And then all of a sudden you do it. So in my job, I'm paid to provide accurate information by deadlines. So with this law too, remember the deadline has to be hit, but the information still has to be accurate. So it's not saying provide less quality work or do less in the amount of time, but it's saying that a lot of times when as humans, if we don't have time restrictions on things, it's very easy to let things just kind of flow. So we wanted to apply this financially where your budget expands to fill your income, like we talked about lifestyle inflation. So it's very easy as you make more money to let your expenses creep up and expand into that income. 
So that's one of the biggest problems. It's The funny thing is uh, so many times you view a lot of people who make a lot of money, lawyers, doctors, and all these dentists, uh, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of people that make a lot of money. Well, when you see them and you see how much stuff they have, sometimes it's a little tricky because you're thinking, oh my goodness, they must be making a ton of money. Well, maybe, but a lot of times they're actually struggling. A lot of times they're having trouble keeping up with their bills and we're not going to share any names, but uh, Kimberly has an example with uh, a situation, <laughs> we're not going to mention that, but uh, where there's an individual who makes quite a bit of money, but they, uh, that she knows, but uh, they are actually living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, you can make hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars and be living paycheck to paycheck or be in debt, which blows blows your mind. I've seen that plenty of times with uh, lots of individuals in my life where people you think, wow, they're doing well. They, they have this fancy job or they own this business or do all these things, but really they are struggling. And you can see that also. Think of like professional athletes. You always hear this all the time about professional athletes who make you know, tons and tons of money and then they're bankrupt five years later. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it happens all the time. And the reason why is because of their lifestyle inflation. They start buying fancier toys, prettier boats and all this kind of stuff. And not saying that stuff is bad. If you can afford it, please, by all means. But the problem is when your lifestyle increases too fast, where your actual income level, if your rate of uh, if your rate of expenditures are going faster than the rate of your income, the increase that is, you're in, you're in a heap of trouble. And you need to stop that because then at that one point, you have to take debt in order to supply that lifestyle. And people, especially people who start making a lot of money, fall into this trap all the time. And then they have to file for bankruptcy. This, uh, how many lawyers actually file for bankruptcy? I know several very prominent ones that had to file for bankruptcy in my personal life, or at least in my uh, old city that I used to live in. So it's really crazy. You have to make sure that you keep this stuff in check. So think back to a time. Think back to a time where you were in school or you had a lower paying job uh, or you is only one spouse working. Maybe one person was laid off or whatever it was. Uh, maybe you had more people to take care of in your home. How? How did you make it then? Because a lot of times people, once they reach some sort of level of uh, inflation status or some sort of social status where they think they have to spend a lot of money in order to keep that stature, well, then you're in a whole lot of trouble because you're not willing to cut expenditures out of your life. And that's what you have to do in order to get rich. In order to get rich and maintain your lifestyle, you have to cut expenditures. So a lot of people say, oh, I can't cut this, uh, my car payment. Well, what kind of car you have? It's a Lamborghini. So I can't get that out of my life. <laughs> or even, you know, for, especially when we were in college, I remember I had this old iPhone for the longest time. And thank goodness old iPhones really lasted forever. But you think, oh my gosh, I need to get this new, maybe you feel overwhelmed because you think, I need to get a new phone, I need to get a new phone or whatever. And so that, you know, those costs are in your head. How did you survive when you didn't have that? Somehow you made it by. You did. You had to. You were forced to. And see, that's one of the tricks is you are, it can happen. Now, of course, we're not saying that we want you to live in destitute or we don't want you, you don't have to, if you're making quite a bit of money, you don't have to live like you were in college in some sort of, you know, very cheap one room apartment, you know, which it's not bad if you were. Kimberly and I were there. We had to do that. 
We lived in a one-room bedroom apartment for the longest time. It was an oldie. It was fun, actually. It's good times. We don't want to go back to it. <laughs> so if you make a certain amount and you're like, okay, and now I can live a little bit more comfortable, that's totally fine. The problem is just the rate where if you start, if your income starts to increase, but your expenditures are going faster, that is the problem. And we have to be able to control ourselves so that way you don't do that particular thing. So one question is maybe why shouldn't we combat Parkinson's law? Like Todd is saying, maybe why shouldn't my lifestyle rise my income? If I'm making, you know, way more than I was before, why shouldn't I buy all this nice stuff and buy a really expensive car and do all these things? Of course, like he said, you want your lifestyle to expand, but you just don't want your expenses to rise faster than your income or even just be right on pace with it. Here's why. So I like to imagine if you're in a boat with holes in the bottom of it. And you're out in the middle of the ocean. The holes can never be fully stopped, right? But you can fill them in a little bit to slow the rate. So at the beginning, you got giant holes and you're bailing out. You're barely getting by. Think of that maybe when you're in a more destitute situation, like when you lost your job or were in school. So you're really struggling. You're bailing out the boat and you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. You're barely making it. Then you find a way or you get a friend to help you stop up some of the holes. So the rate of the water coming in goes a little bit slower. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, what happens if you slow down the amount of tire, the pace that you're below, that you're um, bailing the water out? Then all of a sudden, you're going to have the same level of water in your boat because you slowed down your effort. So you're not getting anywhere. You're not progressing. You're not decreasing the amount of water in your boat. But you may be able to slow down and take a bit of a break, but you still want to keep up a pretty hefty pace because then you can decrease the amount of water and the flooding that's happening. So you want to Stop up the holes, but keep bailing out and keep that effort going. That's what's going to decrease the water. That's what's going to rise your income. Your or That's going to rise your wealth. So if your income rises and your expenses rise some, but not on pace with your income, you're going to start seeing a gap between your income expenses. That's where your wealth grows. And think about, uh, think about the whole example. What are those holes exactly? Those are different bills. Those are different bills and expenses. So while you're starting to slow down pulling out those buckets, because you think, oh yeah, maybe I'm making more money or maybe I have a little bit more money in a, a larger bucket, right? That's dumping out the water. Uh, those would be making payments. What happens if you start poking more holes in that boat? It's way worse. <laughs> it makes it worse. Now you have, more you have more water coming into that boat and then you're in trouble. So just think, keep that in mind. The goal is to... Yes, of course, put things in budget so you can enjoy your life a little bit, but try to keep those expenses as low as possible. And when your uh, money is increasing, keep as much as that as you can. The goal is for that gap to get wider. So now that we've talked about why we want to battle lifestyle inflation, and we've talked about how it's a natural human tendency for your expenses to rise when your income rises, how do we pump those down? Let's talk about some specific strategies that we can use. Now, there's two types we want to talk about. The first is going to be a forced, I call it forced restrictions. So, for example, when we we're talking about Parkinson's law with regard to time, cleaning your room. A forced restriction would be is if you set up on, say, Saturday mornings, you're taking way too long with your routine. A forced restriction would be, I'm going to make plans with someone at noon. So I have to be done with everything I need to be done for with the, for the day at noon. You're setting up forced plans in place. 
Then there's also a disciplined restriction where that's a little bit more proactive. So maybe if you need to clean your room, you set a timer and say, I'm only going to do this for 30 minutes. I've got to get it done in 30 minutes. Takes a little more effort than having a hard stop by having a meeting or plans by a certain time. Um, but it's still making progress. It just takes a little more proactivity. So let's relate this to finance um, and talk about some specific forced restrictions that you can do to help combat lifestyle inflation. So remember with this, with this concept right here, the whole idea is to keep your expenses low. Pay off all of your bills, pay off all your debts. The reason why, so why is this important? It's like, yeah, why can't I enjoy my money a little bit? Well, it's because when you retire, the government's not going to have your back. Like, we think that social security is going to still exist for a while, but that's meant to supplement your retirement. And more than likely it's not. <laughs> more than likely social security will be gone. And uh, so if you want to truly get wealthy, you have to save as much money as you possibly can now, okay? Now, then later on in life, you can enjoy it. Now you can still enjoy it today, you know, have some fun as long as you put it into your budget, but you have to plan wisely. You have to get things in check. So using some of these forced restrictions will help you manage that tendency to actually buy off impulse or increase your all of your expenditures. Oh, let's get a fancier car now that we're making a little bit more money and that kind of stuff. And not only that, not even just saving for retirement, but you're more comfortable because you're not afraid of, well, if I lose my job next month, we we're not gonna be able to eat. Or we're not we're gonna be foreclosed on our house because we can't get we can't pay our mortgage. It gives you that level of comfort that I have, it's almost like kind of building your kingdom. Like I have resources, I have a way to protect my family and myself from the difficult things that can happen in life. So here's some forced restrictions tips for you, what to do. Now, uh, so this is going to be not on the discipline side, this is gonna be more of just, hey, before you even see your money, this is going to force you to basically keep your life in check. So number one, take a percentage of your savings, setting, set like an auto draft where on your bank, a lot of banks offer this, where you can have your money automatically sent from your bank account after you get a paycheck or something like that, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, it's up to you, once a month, and have your money automatically sent over to your savings, okay? So if you have, uh, like let's say you're working and you have uh, some money going to your checking account, whatever, well that money should be automatically pulled and put into your savings using this auto draft feature. So this is gonna be good, because then you won't even see it go away. So when you jump into your bank account, you'll be like, oh, okay, I only have this much money in my account. So that's going to help at least restrict you. And then eventually your savings is gonna grow tremendously, which is good. And not only that, a lot of people don't know, but you can set up your, your uh, check to go to different accounts. So I've seen people do it before where they'll take their account and they'll have maybe like a thousand or $500 automatically go from their paycheck into a savings account that they never see. And then you get less of a paycheck. So then you get used to living on a smaller paycheck. You don't even see that money going into your savings account. Then all of a sudden you look at it six months later, you've got a ton of money in there. You could have six grand sitting in there. Really cool. So the other thing that you can do other than just a savings account, this is where life gets little, a little more fun, is investment accounts. You can actually have investment accounts like uh, an IRA, a Roth IRA, or even just a brokerage account. You can have money, one of those brokerage accounts, you can hook up your bank to it. So that way it automatically pulls money from your bank account and then sends it over to these investments. And that's how the rich get rich basically is they invest their money. So that's another thing that you can do. And here's the best part. 
do it based on percentages because percentages are not biased towards inflation. Because let's say you're making $100,000. That's a really good salary. It's uh, if you're making 100 grand and let's say your savings or let's say you're having money sent to an investment account, whatever it is, is 10%. That's a lot. Well, let's say there's no taxes or anything like that involved, okay, for simple math. So if that's the case, well, then 10%, that's $10,000 a year that's going to your savings or to a brokerage firm. If you're making $200,000, let's say your money increases over the years, well, now that's going to be $20,000 going to it. So that percentage is going to automatically adjust and increase with your inflation amount. So that way you're always having, you have money always going to your savings, even with your inflation. And that's always going to keep you in check because instead of saying, oh, now I have all this extra money. What am I going to do with it? Let's go try to buy a boat and then get into more debt and get in trouble. It's going to keep you in check and be like, okay, here's money automatically being pulled for savings. You can also do that with your 401k or your HSA at work, where say you find out you get a raise. Um, you could go in there and say, along with that raise, I'm going to increase my 401k or my HSA percentage contributions, or even like Todd was just saying to your savings account, then you don't even notice you got the raise. It really automatically combats lifestyle inflation because you kind of get used to living on very similar amounts of money with some increase, but you're automatically increasing your savings. So now let's talk about the hard ones. So those are nice. Those are some tips for you that will automatically help your lifestyle inflation. Now let's come to the disciplined restrictions. Now these are a lot harder because this takes willpower. You have to force yourself and uh, to actually adjust with this kind of inflation. Number one, okay, one of the big ones that I'm actually going to throw out here: don't take debt. Okay, it's you want to avoid debt like the plague because that's so. Investors get rich through investments. Well, guess what? They're getting rich through you. Because if they're lending you money, you're paying interest and you're paying them. So let's say you have a loan of $10,000 and let's say they're charging 10% interest. Well, they're going to get their $10,000 back plus the 10%, the $1,000. So that means you're paying extra money to borrow their money. That's how the rich get rich. So when you take out debt, you're making them rich and you're getting more poor. Yes, you get to get a home. Yes, you get to get a car or all these different things. Cool, right? But you're not getting any richer from it. Unless, of course, you're using some investing tactics. Like with a home, you're renting it out, that kind of thing. But that's for another episode. But in general, if you're taking out a mortgage, an auto loan, or whatever it is, you're making someone else rich. Think of that. So when you invest your money, guess who's getting rich? You, because now your money is going to an investment. Your money is going into stocks or bonds or something like that. That's going to increase your value. So when you, so number tip number one, try not to take as much debt. Avoid debt like the plague. Now there are some cases where you have to take it. I get it, but make sure you talk with consultants, your partner, and make sure make sure you don't stack debt either. So if you have a loan or like a mortgage, try to avoid getting a car loan or anything else like that. If you have student debt, try not to stack debt. Otherwise, you're going to be paying that debt the rest of your life, making somebody else rich, and you won't be able to retain your own cash. So remember, if you have debt and you get a raise or you get more income, you want to put that towards the debt because that's money that you owe. That's not money that you have. So I get a raise at work. I shouldn't think, wow, I have more money. I think, wow, good. I have more resources to get out of the hole. You've got to look at it together. 
all of your resources minus what you owe shows your actual net worth. So you want to avoid thinking, if you've got a lot of debt, thinking, oh, I got a raise, I have more money. You want to think, oh, I got a raise, now I can use that to decrease that negative balance of what I owe. Exactly. If you have debt, that money's not yours. You have to go pay that back. So if you get a raise, don't be like, oh, my life is going to, yay, I can now spend more stuff. <laughs> like, that's the wrong mindset. You got to force yourself to just say, okay, now I got more money. Let's take more of that money and pay off that debt faster. Don't just do the minimum amount. Pay more. Then you're going to be paying less on um, less on interest and more towards principal. We'll talk about that more on another episode. Uh, the next thing we want to discuss here. So think of one thing in your budget that you used to not have and can live without and eliminate it. So what do we mean by that? So remember back in the college days when you or when you were living paycheck to paycheck and maybe you still are today, right? If that's the case, well, and let's say you're now starting to get a little bit more money and you're starting to want to buy some extra stuff. Think about in the past what you had. What is the bare minimum that you need? And then from there, what do you add over the course of the years in your life? Well, are those things that you added, can we dispose of those? If that's the case, please dispose of it until you get out of debt, that is. And then, of course, until you reach your savings and goals and whatever. But remember, the goal is to keep your expenses low. And if your income increases, keep as much of that as possible. So go back to time. You can do it. A lot of times when you start increasing your lifestyle, you're just like, oh, I can't do without my Netflix. Oh, I can't do without my uh, fancy, you know, three motorcycles and two cars. It's, yeah, you can. <laughs> Somehow you made it before. Yeah. I remember there was a Christmas book when I was a kid that talked about how the dad had set up a little string of Christmas lights around her window and they all thought it was so beautiful. And then it expanded to where... It turned into a competition with his neighbor, and they had all this crazy stuff and inflatables all over their home. And then, I think the power went out, or I don't remember the book totally, but they went down to just the one string of lights, and they realized, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, you don't have to live totally destitute and go back to exactly how you were before, but just think about how, you know, somehow it was okay, and somehow I made it by without this, and would I really miss these expenses that much? Is it bad to buy a used car? No. Kimberly and I still do. Is it bad to buy used clothes? No, you can do it. Especially like baby clothes. <laughs> Obviously, we're a fan of that. We've had some really awesome neighbors and friends and cousins give us clothes. And it saves so much money. Babies hardly wear thousands, them that long. Thousands of, especially, yeah, especially a newborn. Mm -hmm. They grow out of it so fast. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're prepping for everybody. So <laughs> It's on our minds. <laughs> it's, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about this in the next, with several episodes mm -hmm. in the future. <laughs> yeah, and really, the quality's great. Like, is it really that bad to have used things or really bad, bad to cut certain expenses? So let's now talk about the third item now, okay? The third item for disciplined restrictions, review your subscriptions. Now, subscriptions can actually be the devil. And here, <laughs> like, they're the worst because they're, they're the bad. opposite of the forced restrictions that we were talking about. Basically, forced restrictions force you to do good things. Subscriptions force you to do bad things by just sign up on your credit card and never look at it again. <laughs> now, subscriptions can be good in a very rare sense, but for the most part, they can be awful, especially shopping subscriptions. The reason why is because these subscriptions, they're going to force you or charge you every three months but what if it takes you four months to use the first product before you need to reorder it again? Well, now you have another item 
sitting there and you're stacking on these items, but you're still paying. So it's kind of the trick. But uh, when it comes to Amazon subscribe and save, maybe it is good. Maybe there are some discounts you can get with it. But what is the trick that they're getting you to do? Buy more. Every three months, it's consistent pay. You're paying them and you may not even need it. For example, lotion. Lotion, you're going to use different quantities of lotion in the summer versus winter time. Well, do you need to be taking it every three months or every two months or whatever it is? You've got to monitor them really carefully or else it can get out of hand. You think, yeah, whatever, just throw another one in the cart, throw another one or send another one to me. So it can be great if, you know, it's easy for you to just have nice recurring things, but it becomes really tempting to be like, eh, whatever. I got another bottle. I didn't really need this, but that's fine. The prices seem small too. I mean, look at TV. I mean, there's Disney Plus now, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, uh, other subscriptions. Well, the funny thing about all of those is they are, you're paying for those once a month, but they get you because it's like, oh, it's only $7 a month. Okay, you buy one. Well, then the next one comes. Hey, Disney Plus, this is only $8 a month or whatever it is. Then it's like, okay, well, let me grab that one too. Now you're paying more. And then it's like, okay, well, the Hulu, gotta have Hulu. I have to have that. There's another $10. So now you're stacking all these subscriptions and now you're paying $100 a month for just all these random subscriptions. Avoid a lot of those. Yes, they're fun. Yes, there's some good ones, but there are so many useless ones. Buy it if you need it. Now, of course, with COVID, you probably want some home entertainment. That becomes more of a necessity. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, anyway, but th these are the conversations you should be having. Can I forego six months of subscriptions for the sake of my family getting out of debt? Yes. Go to a neighbor and watch Netflix with them on a movie night. And think about what you actually use. Do you need all five of those TV subscriptions or do you have just one sub subscription for one show? You know, maybe pick a few. Like, for example, we love Prime because we can sync all of our digital movies. We're big movie buffs. We also do a lot of online shopping. That's kind of our thing. So even though maybe there's some shows on Hulu we want to watch, we don't get that because we are restricting our number of subscriptions. So remember, what we talked about, the benefits of forced restrictions is that it forces you without even thinking about it to have good habits. It's just automatic making your life easier. This is the exact opposite. It forces you and automatically makes you ha do spending. So you're not consciously making that purchase decision each month. When I go to the store and think, do I want to buy the shirt? I have to weigh in my mind. Is it a good deal? Do I want it? Am I happy with it? Is it useful? But with subscriptions, you never have to make that decision except for when you sign up for it. So it makes it really, really easy to spend that money. So you've got to be really careful about what you decide to subscribe to. And I think it's a good idea even, you know, every few months or every month when you're doing your finances, if you're looking at every month, think, okay, is this one I want to have? Do I really need this? Or can I, is there, you know, am I paying for three different services that are all kind of similar? All right. So everyone, I hope these tips help you out a lot. Uh, they're, they definitely help us. We're always checking these things. Kimberly, myself, our neighbors, family, this is something that we all have to do, okay? And it gets hard. So that self, especially that self-discipline side, because when you're focusing on that, it's hard to cut things once you have had them. And that's the trick. That's how they nab you. That's how they get you. Just like with subscriptions, just like, uh, uh, just like with those auto payments, consider these options that Kimberly and I discussed today, and hopefully that will help you get that lifestyle inflation in control. 
Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on another episode of Homemade Ops. If you have any questions, please submit them and send them our way. We're on social media at Homemade Ops pretty much anywhere. Uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>